0: My name is Jeremiah Sinclair. I am a man not often rushed. Never rushed to judgment, never rushed to anger, and never rushed to assist. I've lived my life this way for as long as I can remember, and it has never failed me. Sin, how did you get this number? But today, Is not like other days. One week ago, a little boy was kidnapped in Saginaw, Michigan, and the captors flew him to Naples, Italy. A type 1 diabetic, he had a two-week supply of insulin in his backpack when he was taken. I'm an assassin, a killer by trade. I was brought in to find this boy because while his parents would pay anything to see their boy, they would pay double to ensure that his captors were never seen again. I tracked them to a via outside of Naples, but when I followed them, I found the boy was gone, the result of an argument between the captors. Regina, the captor who was left behind, told me of the loss of her child. At no point did she mention the people whose lives she had ruined with her selfish act, or nor did she apologize. She answered the question I asked her in a monotone, admitted that she didn't know where Raymond, her husband, and the child whom she called Terrence had gone to. In her bitter irony, the pain that she felt as the mother who lost her son was identical to the pain of my clients, those who had commissioned me to find their child and gain retribution. So I dispatched Regina and went about finding information about Raymond's whereabouts. The main source of information that I have always had is my connection to the corporation, my employers. Every time that she has called me, she has always called from various area codes, a safeguard against anyone finding her true location. The last time she called, the area code was in Brooklyn. I
1: asked you a question, Sin. How did you get this number?
0: I've never been a fan of not knowing where someone was. When the corporation initially contacted me with my first job, I was a bit perturbed that I didn't know where they were because they knew precisely where I was. So I got in contact with an associate of mine who supplied me with a tracker, powerful enough to break through all the false codes and encryptions and lead me directly to the source of information, my connect. I stored it away because I never knew when I would need it. But all the same. That conversation for another time i called you because the corporation will not be pleased to know that you have contacted me the woman is dead but the boy and the man are nowhere to be found i need to know if they boarded any flights or checked into any hotels in the past day the man's name is raymond covington she grew silent for a moment and i knew that in her world a line had been breached a line that divided the illusion between safety and danger. She had been in Wisconsin a cocoon for years, doling out information from afar. She could do that no longer. She would now have to wonder who else had violated her privacy. The same way I often wondered who had access to mine.
1: They boarded a flight to Paris ten hours ago. Rented a car under a pseudonym, but paid with his regular credit card. How silly is that? We have purchases at gas stations from Paris all the way to... Amsterdam. And a hotel room rented under the same pseudonym. I'm on it. Goodbye, Sin.
0: I hung up the phone and rubbed my forehead. Amsterdam? What was the reason for this detour? Was Raymond meeting up with someone? Or did he just want to get as much distance as he could between himself and Regina? The steps he had taken clearly showed that he had no intentions of coming back. But why didn't he tell her? What if he did tell her, and that was the reason that they had fought in the first place? What if? What if he just wanted to join? As always, Solis was ready and willing to give his opinion to the situation. Trevor Solis Salento and I have been close friends since we were kids. He was my greatest ally. One who I could always trust, no matter what. However, he was also cursed with an absolute lack of impulse control. Whatever he thought, he said, it was simple as that.
1: I mean, think about it. In the span of a week, this dude has kidnapped a kid, broke major bread and laws to fly to another continent, and broke up with his wife. I could use a hit just thinking about it.
0: We walked to the car and began our drive to the airport. I thought about turning on the radio, but decided against it. At times, Silas was far more entertaining than radio, and his volume was always louder.
1: This dude just broke out without even thinking about his wife. Just flew off with the kid like he was doing it to be spiteful or something. Or uh, Maybe. Maybe what? Maybe he's one of them kid traffickers, man. Not them nasty fucks who put their kids out in the corner and pimp them, but them folks who sell their kids at sweatshops. I wonder what a kid would be worth.
0: Especially a kid with diabetes. Having to stop work to get injections, plus the upkeep of having to buy insulin. In the long run, it wouldn't be profitable for them to take a child with issues of that magnitude. They would turn him away in an instant.
1: And if Raymond is the type of motherfucker who would leave his wife without a second doubt, when he finds out the boy
0: is useless to him, he's going to leave him, no doubt. Or kill him. We made it to the airport and board our flight to Amsterdam. The flight was quick and uneventful. I spent the flight in silence, planning for what was to come. Solace was right. The average man would not be convinced to kidnap a child. But if they were ever brought to that point of desperation, they would make sure the entire family was always together so that no one would get cold feet and go to the police. They wouldn't want to cause any issues, so they would agree with everything that their wife said. Raymond didn't do any of that. In fact, he did the polar opposite. This was not the man that I expected when I took this job. It was becoming readily apparent that Raymond was not the man that anyone expected. Welcome to Amsterdam. We disembarked the plane and got in a rental car. I typed the address of the connect it gave me into the GPS and we drove off. As we neared the destination, I realized that I didn't like the way I was feeling. Like I wasn't nearly as prepared for this encounter as I usually was. Man, sin, you slipping.
1: You got a look on your face like you just ate a bad batch of turnip greens. What in the hell is wrong with you? I couldn't
0: tell him because I didn't know. We continued in silence until we reached the destination on the GPS system. I got out of the car. Solace stayed behind. Solace, you ain't coming?
1: Nah, man. I don't get to go to Amsterdam too often, so I'm going to take my time, get 16 pounds of Shrek, and get floated.
0: Floated?
1: Yeah, floated. Fucking loaded. Then I'm going to stumble into the red light district and ask one of them women for a TLC.
0: A TLC?
1: Yep. I want a red light special. Baby, it's yours. All yours. If you want it tonight. I'll give you the red light special all through the night.
0: I left solace in the car, humming the rest of the song to himself. Sometimes I wondered about his sanity. More often, I wondered about mine. I called the front desk at a Renaissance Amsterdam hotel and asked for the room for Bryce Hatcher. I walked into the lobby and armed with the information given to me, I got onto the elevator and went to the fifth floor. I walked to the door for room 538 and paused. I still felt uneasy for reasons that I couldn't understand. Then all of a sudden, I did. I was thinking not as an assassin, but as a parent. I was scared for Terrence's well-being, but to ensure his well-being as well as my own, I needed to push that out of my mind and focus on getting the information that I needed to get him back to his parents. I took the lock reader out of my bag and placed it into the slot. It beeped, signaling that the correct code had been found and the light turned green. I pushed the door open, entered the empty room, took my silenced gun and placed it on the table in front of me and sat down to wait. After about 30 minutes, The doorknob rattled and opened. A man entered the room, alone, the door closing behind him. Raymond was about six foot two inches, swarthy with an immaculate suit and tie on. He looked as though he had been at a business meeting. Terrence was nowhere to be found. Raymond turned on the light and blinked in surprise at the sight of me in the chair, with the silenced 9 millimeter handgun that he sighted at his chest. We stared at each other, and he walked over to the chair opposite mine, gesturing as to ask if he could sit. I nodded. He sat down, lit a Newport, and took a long drag. Exhaling, he looked at the ceiling, and then back at me.
2: Man. You have no fucking idea how hard it is to find a fresh port of Newports in this town. Marlboros? Shit. Yeah. Weed? They got that. Fucking brownies? Definitely. But Newports? He
0: stared at me for a few moments, as if gauging my thoughts. I stared back, preparing for a fight.
2: So, who the fuck are you? I'm here for the boy. Oh. You his dad? Nah. You don't look like the type who had kids, and you're by yourself, so I know you're not the police. So who sent you? Regina? <laughs> Man, I knew that bitch was quick to catch feelings, but damn. She only knew this little nigga for a week. One plane flight later, she swore she was his mama. Bitches is crazy nowadays, you know?
0: He sat back and took another drag off his cigarette, his eyes never leaving mine.
2: Regina's dead. (laughs) Oh, you thought that was going to shake me up? Man, fuck her. She always seemed like the type who was going to die of a broken heart anyway. I'm telling you, man, it took everything in me not to leave her ass in Michigan. Little sniveling ass bitch. And fucking useless as shit. Always coming home telling me about her sob stories from work, talking all that blah, blah, blah. Shh. Man, I should have invested in earplugs. And always asking me, why can't God bless us with a child? <laughs> if she only knew I had to hold my tongue, because God could have blessed me with a child any anytime I wanted one. Ain't nothing wrong with my insides, you know what I mean? Another pool the more that she would talk to me about wanting kids, the more I start thinking about kids too. Man, do you know what a kid is worth these days? Not that simping I'm a parent worth either. I'm talking about cold, hard fucking cash. So I took a look on the internet and found out that a kid can be a house. And not a fucking down payment either. A house. Of course, I can tell a little girl that because I didn't really want to have a kid I just wanted to get a kid. And not for love or some shit like that, but to get paid. Kids kids are a fucking profit if you know the right buyer and <laughs> I know all the right buyers. I got connections and I just sent Justine. Justine? Yeah, Justine, that's my um <laughs> international piece. I met her at the University of Michigan, but Anyways, man, I had her catching flights out here to fat check for me, find the highest bidder. And when she gave me the office that folks were making for one little kid, shit, man, I took it. The only issue was convincing Regina that the only way that she was going to get a kid would be to take one. She was already right there, man. She wanted kids so bad you could smell the breast milk seeping out of her pores, man. I just had to guide her to the right situation. I continued to look
0: at him, not saying a word, because I had realized that Raymond was the type of guy who, if given an audience, would talk until the audience walked out. If I just kept (laughs) my attention long enough, he would eventually get around to tell me where Terrence was.
2: Nigga, have you ever seen the Mac? (laughs) Any man can control a woman's body. But the real trick is fucking controlling their mind. Once I knew that Regina was broken, all I had to do was keep telling her how great of a mother she would be. How all she needed was the right opportunity. I would point out all the kids that were walking out of school by their parents and told her that they were being dragged to school, mistreated by their parents, and that they deserved better. One of those kids deserved the best. And the best? Well, she was the best, obviously. (laughs) And that fucking bitch believed me. She sat out in her car every single morning, day after day, and just watched those kids walk by her. I saw her. I saw the whole thing. When she finally broke down crying in the car, that's when I knew I had her on my team. I even let her pick out the fucking kid. And once she grabbed him, we already had the car ready. Because, as I told her, we would have a better chance of being a family in a different country. So we left. We left. And I let her console him and talk to him because by consoling him, she was just fucking consoling herself. By the time we landed in Naples, she had a son. But I was already sick of both of those fuckers. Sure, I had to put up with her punk ass for a few days, asking him if he wanted to go play and would he please call her mommy. But soon enough, it dawned on me that this shit wasn't going to stop. She would always be begging for him to call her mom, and he never would. Meanwhile, my market was fucking drying up, which was going to leave me to be a fucking dad, which I never fucking wanted to be. So I decided to open up to my wife. I told her that I wanted to move to a different country, and she said that she wanted to stay in Naples because it had fucking culture. Like, I gave a shit. We fought about our future, and I called her a few things that you probably would regret it. Because you look like you're a fucking simp anyway. And she cried and went to bed. So, once she was asleep, I grabbed the little nigga and I left. I left her with her clothes on her back and that was it. I didn't even keep the clothes I took from her. I just threw them out the fucking car. Shh, punk bitch. So no, I really don't give a fuck that she's dead. And you know what, if she were alive, I would fucking kill her. Of all the kids that she could have picked out, she picked out a motherfucking cripple. Those folks in the shop saw the insulin and just laughed their asses off. <sighs> Said something about a fucking swart, and led us to the door. I have never wanted more to kick a kid's monkey ass than right then. But I held it in. I just told Justine to get him the fuck out of my sight, and then I came back here. He stubbed out the cigarette in the ashtray.
0: So, you left him with her, and you came
2: here. Nigga, are you deaf? That's what the fuck I said, isn't it? I drove back here, got some ports, and walked into my hotel room to see your somber-looking ass. Lurch-ass motherfucker. You think you're cute, don't you? Because you got that gun. Alright. Put the gun down. And we'll see who's really a man. Why don't I put the gun down? Yeah. Go ahead. Put the fucking gun down, bitch. And fight me like a real man. Mm. Um, yeah. uh, No. Sorry.
0: I don't have time for that. I shot him three times, two in the heart and one in the right eye. His head snapped back and he twitched for a few moments. I watched him patiently. He died just as my clients requested. Two shots to the heart to signify the loss and pain the two parents held and one shot to the eye because as Terence's father has said, he would give his right eye to have his son back. I took a picture of Raymond's corpse, saved it to my phone, and left. I walked back out to the car and pulled around to where I knew I would have a good vantage point of all traffic, both on foot and vehicle. I knew that Justine and Terrence would be coming by eventually, so it would be best if I took them by surprise. An hour passed. I was just about to walk back up to the hotel room to wait when I saw a little black boy with a red backpack walking hand in hand with this stunningly beautiful woman. The boy had an ice cream cone, and the woman had a cell phone, dialing repeatedly and cursing. As they got closer, I heard her curse the name, Raymond. I stepped out of the car, and pointing the gun from hip level, I gestured towards my vehicle. She got the point, nodded, and walked towards my car. The boy just looked at me. When we got back to the rental car, I trained the gun on her and said, all you need to be aware of is that I know where this little boy is from, and I was hired to get him back by any means necessary. Now, you can either give him to me and walk away, or you can resist and make this just a bit more work than I would have hoped. Justine looked at me and nodded. She released his hand and walked back into the crowd. In seconds, she was gone. I took a picture of Terrence and sent it, along with the address, to a number that was supplied to me. I sat and waited. And in the 45 minutes, a car drove up and a man stepped out of the vehicle.
2: The corporation isn't very pleased with you. Locating connection like that broke serious protocol.
0: I don't subscribe to protocol, and only a fool does. Here's the boy. Take him home. He nodded, and he and Terrence got into the car and left. I never knew his real name. I didn't want to. I got into the car and went to a local cafe where I sat drank some espresso, and waited for Silas. He came up about an hour after that, teetering and mumbling about safety words. I gave him a look, and we left for the airport. Once we reached the airport, my phone began to ring. I picked it up and was surprised to hear the voice of my wife. Hey, baby.